You're listening to You're United Q Podcast. United Q. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Mano Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. I'm Dan and I'm here with my co-host Ben. Hello. And on today's show we've got Paul Yates from the Flame Pit. Hey Paul, you alright? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for being on the show today. Great, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. Um, Just want to start off by giving us a little introduction about who you are and what you're about. Uh, right, well, I, I'm I'm sort of one of the owners of the Flame Pit. Um, we've done catering. I've been a KCBS judge for a short while, but I've been judging um, and been into barbecue for well since it became very popular in years. Um, but uh, and did some sort of fairly big catering jobs. Launched some uh, American brewery stuff over here. And some catering. Uh, and I saved quite a bit of judging. Awesome. So, what what got you into what what made you like start the flame pit in the first place? And where's the flame pit based? Right, we're based up in Newcastle upon Tyne. Um, it really started because I've travelled quite a lot. Um, I did ten years in the music industry, so I toured quite a bit and realised when I was in America that I was just eating a different quality of meat. Basically, it was just something that wasn't available over here. There wasn't any, really anybody smoking, certainly nobody smoking up in the, the northeast um, that I knew of at the time. And it was uh, there was no sort of barbecue restaurants or anything like that. So we just really came home, sat down with a friend over some beers and thought, right, we're going to do this. Um, so we had a real big custom smoker built uh, called Nigella. <laughs> um, and uh, she's... Uh, She's quite big, so we did some catering events, so sort of big chili festivals and things like that, where we did sort of several hundred people out the back of this one because it's, it's pretty wow, big. It's, cool. 70, it's 17 foot long and a ton and a half. Um, so, uh, and it was really, you know, just completely threw ourselves into it because we had a real passion for it. Um, and then you know, going down to Grillstock and the events, uh, going to sort of the Manchester and the London one that they had at the time, and things like that, really getting into it and getting online, Twitter and things like that really uh, sparks it even further. Cool. So so for you guys, it started more as the catering side of things than you went into competing or was it the other way around? Yeah, yeah we weren't competing at first. Um, it was really, yeah, it was a passion for sharing it. It was, uh, there wasn't anything like that. We were in, When we were doing catering, we used to refer to a thing called the nod when people would get that sandwich and they're walking away and they take that first bite and you see them just start nodding even though they're walking away from you yeah. you know that you've nailed it <laughs> um, and it's that kind of 
sharing it at the early days. I mean, even with grill stock, we won a, a spirit of barbecue. Um, so kind of sharing it. We had huge crowds when we did Manchester because we even competed with the big smoker, uh, where a lot of people have very, very small ones, so they can be a lot more controlled. We just took it on and just shared what we do. Um, and it was uh, it's really grown quite a bit since then. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was the passion of it, really. Um, once we once we discovered it and liked it, it was really just having fun with it. And what, um, what smoker is it that you that you had that you had made for you? Um, that one was uh, that's the big trailer one. That's the uh, it was made. I couldn't find anybody locally. I had to go to the sort of Midlands area. Sort of okay. Um, I had to find a custom a master welder who made it from scratch and made the trailer and everything. You'd ever um, made anything like this before? Or did you give him the spec and then he made it? Or how did yeah, that go? I, li- I literally gave him a photograph um, of a trailer smoker from America and said, build me that. Um, <laughs> and I'm no engineer, so I didn't have any specs or anything like that. And at the time, though, I, I don't even think anybody had. I wasn't aware no. I think, of anybody even having a trailer, big trailer smoker. In the UK, um, so it was. It was really a go off that. He'd never built anything like that. He no. has built some since now. Um, cool. Since it has kind of grown, um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, a guy called Gucci. Yeah, he's a master welder in Lancashire area, um, and uh, he was brilliant. I mean, literally. I mean, he was finding his own feet, but it's a big reverse flow um, smoker. That's cool though, because a lot of people like do these sort of things for the first time, and then realise they haven't quite got the airflow right, and haven't made it. The firebox position isn't quite right, and stuff like that. And then you end up having to mod the hell out of it and, and make it completely different to how it was in the first place. So it sounds like he got it pretty well off in the first go. Yeah, I mean the the firebox. I spent probably another grand and a half doing mods. Um, but it was the airflow was great. It was really a case of getting he, he because he didn't have any pictures of the inside. He just built a big box, a big steel box for the firebox, and then he did. You did. You could see the airflow on the picture, and you got that right. I can, you know, the so it, it was really some of the inside things. I've got an extra um, rack put in, cool. um, so I could do most because the first catering job, the big chili festival that we did, we had. We were so popular that we sold out in an hour and twenty minutes. Wow! On <laughs> um, well, you know, which was just a sort of nightmare on the first day. I sold out an hour and twenty minutes. So the next year, we put an extra rack out and still sold out in two two and a half hours. But we did uh, sort of three hundred and fifty people in that couple of hours. So it was it was kind of just crazy because we were that popular. Mm. That's um, a good position to be in there. <laughs> It's great, yeah. If you're ever doing festivals, always try and make sure you near the beer tent. Yeah. <laughs> beer and barbecue go really well together. Yeah. Um, Especially so if you're um, going to sell out quickly, because then you can get straight in there as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so it was, you know, the, get get my feet up and just do the clean job. But um, but yeah, it was it was it was real fun. It's hard work because we didn't have any. You know, there was no electronics keeping things going, and we couldn't. You know, vast amount of meat. Um, so there was no, none of the digital stuff keeping the airflow. We were literally up every hour and a half, two hours, making sure that the temp was right, 
right through the night. Because um, we were cooking on site, we don't we didn't cook off site and vacuum pack things and things like that that a lot of catering people do. We were literally turned up with a trailer, got the meat delivered, and put it on. Um, so and that's probably before the time of too many sort of like ditchy queues, cyber queues, and stuff. Yeah, Ben's just got a flame. Around, I was completely unaware. I'm quite old school. I like the traditional part of barbecue. Um, although I do have, you know, more high tech stuff now for myself, make life easy. But I, I, it's one of the things I've just done with my trip is that I like the, the craft of. Yeah. traditional barbecue I like old school pits I like you know the tending of it and going to the night and sitting down and just you know it, it's a craft you know That's cooking it. until it looks like that it's not all about times that you see in I have to say it always and, and it does annoy me slightly when sometimes some people are like in some of the forums and stuff are oh, uh, just starting off what do I need and people are like I get like a cyber queue or, or party queue <laughs> or something like that and I'm like no, yeah. no that's a complete opposite yeah like yeah. spend a few years le- or spend some time learning your smoke and learning how to smoke learning the craft learning how to manage a fire yourself and then maybe yeah. a year or so down the line if if you want to get something like that get it and that's up to you but yeah. I, I do think a lot of the time I think before you get to like sort of catering level where you sort of maybe yeah. want to guarantee a product then maybe I think like for me anyway I used to do it and go out surfing for the, I used to set my smoker up go out surfing for the day come back eight hours later and it would be sat where it was when I left or mm-hmm. similar go to bed wake up in the morning and, and your, yeah. your smoker still sat exactly where it was and but that's just from smoking and smoking and smoking and smoking cooking on it cooking on it learning about it learning it learning it and we then just, mastering the craft our, we just know our devices now. we know that if we open the vent that much with that much coal in it that it will run for that amount of time at that temperature and we we don't need those extra gadgets to do that it's only recently yeah, I like an Albert Einstein it. quote. That mm. was, uh, it's not sort of cooking until you get it right. It's cooking until you can't get it wrong. You know, it's you get so familiar with it. You know what you see your device is going to do. Yeah. You know what charcoal is going to burn at. You know how long it's going to be and what temp it's going to be at. And you've learned, as you see, you've learned. You've learned the craft, but you've learned what you're cooking on because every device, every smoker out there has its quirks. Has its Exactly. Hot, I mean, if hot, someone hot, was to hot. throw me onto something that I don't use, I wouldn't be able to do that. I would have to get to... Yeah. It's all about learning your smoker. And again, not every... Not every, like, KJ, for instance, is the same. Not every uh, Excel is the same. I mean, they all have their slight different quirks and stuff. So, I mean, I'd yeah. imagine something like a KJ is fairly similar across yeah. the board. But... Every smoker does have its quirks, and maybe is slightly different. Ooh, so it's, do it it's slightly about differently as well. Like you, you put like a few bits of like pot and stuff into you, not pot, ceramic, ceramic yeah. into your um fire, fire uh, deflector, uh, heat yeah. deflector, and that's how you do it. And you've got your so you know that putting that in and opening events to that, like that's how you achieve your temperature. I do mine differently, and everyone's got their own method, and that's what you work yeah. on. And even I've just got the flame boss, like literally this last weekend, and I've used it once to try it out. And for me, like I'm, I I just wanted it from the sense of I wanted to track my temperature on my phone when I go out f- out for the day. I just think <laughs> it's cool. I just love the tech from that, like the adding yeah. adding a fan on and stuff. Like I tried it, and I probably will use it. But for the moment, I had like not as good results as I have when I just don't use it because I didn't really know how to use the fan properly. So it's another whole new learning curve. Like it made the the pit hotter than I, I'm used to doing because I didn't really know how to set it up so like actually yeah. it hasn't helped me yet but I can see how 
it can when you get the hang of this the consistency that you're going to be able to get from that is going to be amazing and being able to just track it from anywhere that's what i really wanted was i'm going to go out i'm going to open up the app on my phone from wherever i am and go right well we're still up to temp we're not up to temperature now i need to go home now <laughs> i need to do this now and it is it just gives you a bit more confidence i think I mean, there is some, some very good. I, I have had one of the big sort of uh, uh, barbecue guru cyber key things, and I just never used them because uh, I've, I've kind of learned the pits. I know what to do, and um, there, there's a there's a confidence when you know what it's doing. Sometimes relying on technology, and I've certainly seen this quite a bit in competitions where people rely on technology when it doesn't work. It, it, people start flapping, you know, it's uh, because they've cooked with it and. The relying on technology to do it. And really, barbecue isn't really about, or should never be about the technology for me. Um, it's really a case of, you, you know, learn, learn your craft, learn what you do. If it was really just having a charcoal oven effectively that's controlled by technology and you're relying on that, then uh, it's, you, you know, anybody would be able to just turn up, chuck some meat on, plug it, probe in, and off they go. Um, and it wouldn't, uh, I'm sure the quality wouldn't be as good. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just, like you said, it's all about learning all your different ways of doing things. Like when you first start out, everyone everyone wants, well, I've, I'm kind of guilty for this now, as I used to religiously, I'll have my probe, one in the one on the grill, one in the meat, and I'll track it from inside the house, and I'm monitoring it all the time. But I've got to a point now where quite often I don't even bother putting the probes in, because I know like, I've done a pork shoulder of that size that many times that, I know that yeah. I'll go out there in like so many hours and I'll just pick it up, give it a feel and go, oh yeah, it's a bit longer or not not quite yet and maybe probe it if I'm unsure. But you kind of, you, once you get to a point, you don't have to rely on it as much as you did perhaps when you were learning at the beginning. So I think like back to what Dan said and advice of like things you should get, definitely a probe when you're starting off, but I don't think you need a full yeah, 300 pound pick controller. Three. Yeah, I've got a three. I've got three thermopen um, probes that that I use. But even a lot of the sort of tra- the, the traditional barbecue places I've been to across the states, you go in and there's not a temperature probe or anything in sight. You know, they, as I say, you cooked it so many times that they've got even to the point where they just go cook it until it looks like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can just <laughs> that, that, that's what it's done. It looks like that, and that's it. That's that temperature gauge. I quite often just use it as as a probe now, really, just to, yeah. to feel the ins get the feel of the inside of the meat. So, yes, I probe to really I probe to, to doneness rather than to temperature because sometimes every every bit again like every smoker is different. Every bit of meat is different. You can have two briskets that I mean you you can have a favourite temperature in your mind, but sometimes uh, I don't know if a pork shoulder or a brisket will be done a little bit lower than another one. They might be done a little bit longer. It might take two. There's no real way of knowing. I think it's like feel is, is the only way of really, really knowing what something's done or not. And I suppose you could do that with like a, a bamboo skewer or something. I suppose mm-hmm. you could do it yeah. with something like that, I guess. But I think that like you're saying, like when you first uh, first start out, that maybe it's uh, confidence. And I think mm. maybe that, that, that internal temperature is, is something that you do look for. There's nothing wrong it's, with yeah, it. It, it, it. I think people should use it as a guide. But it's very difficult, I think, in any book or, you know, to sort of say that's what it feels right. And, and, but you're right, I, I tend to use my probes as a feel more than the temperature. Um, the first thing I'm, I'm checking is when I'm pushing in, what does it feel like before I look at 
what it's reached or achieved. Um, so learning, learning a, what the meat can be different, as you say, every bit of meat will be different. You know, if you're doing a brisket, it's, it, you know, some people take them off at 193 Fahrenheit. You tend to find, I tend to quote a lot of Fahrenheit temperatures because all of my barbecue books have about 60 plus yeah. or, um, are all American pretty much, um, with a, a couple of exceptions. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you, you know, you some people take them off at two or five. It, it can be anything in between, and it just is say it's a feel thing. Yeah, definitely. We went on to a bunch of swines, like barbecue competition class, and we went through that for the day. Made a little video and stuff, and it's posted on YouTube. Have a look if you haven't seen it. It's, it was a really great oh, day that we went on there, but. Ed at the time it was like yes we're checking temperatures and stuff but I know when this meat's done by the feel of it and we're, we're all like using the probe to probe it from the different angles to get a feel for like what it feels like when it's done and that is exactly what we're saying isn't it yeah well that's kind of going with the courses things I did the first ever barbecue course that Ray Lampy did oh cool um, years ago it was what's called the ultimate pitmaster course um, it was the first one ever in the UK. I had to drive down to Hemel Hempstead, um, so it was quite a trek. But that, I did that in my early days. I had the big smoker then. Um, I was really doing it because I was just wanted to learn about the competition side of things. Yeah. Because um, I didn't realise how different that was to what the catering side was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, you know, I was doing. I could do pork shoulder and brisket all day because that's all I did pretty much um you know it's literally you know buying I don't know uh I was probably buying a dozen pork shoulders and a dozen briskets at a time um to, to actually cook so it was those kind of things I could do but it was all the sort of the finesse of some of the you know doing the ribs and what competition expected and what it was like in America because I hadn't been any hadn't been to any competitions in America at that point um, so I, I did that course that was very, very good. Um, and that's where I first met Ray. I think I had him online, that sort of Twitter and things, but it was uh, that was when I first met Ray. Cool, and that yeah, sort of leads great, us on to something great. you've done recently where you went on a bit of a, a US tour. Yes, it was one of my... I had the uh, feeling a bit old. It was one of the things I wanted to take off my bucket list, but it, it kind of had uh, a great knock-on effect. Um, it was my 50th last last month, so I did Memphis in May, um, which is there's about I think it was 235 teams. Wow! Um, at Memphis in May, right on the banks of the Mississippi, um, and did it. Although it's expensive, uh, I thoroughly recommend if anybody is to do it, do the VIP tickets. It's, you know, you get to meet the teams, you get to go and meet Myron Mixon, you get go and get to meet Brad Olson from the Shed. You know, Central Barbecue, some of the bigger names. Um, so you're really well worth it, and it's unlimited beer. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Which is always good. Uh, Just to put that into um, perspective, I mean, the biggest one in Europe is like the Tony Stone, and that tends to have about 50, 50 teams in. So mm. it just yeah. gives you the short, sheer size of, of that competition. It is just huge. Yeah, I mean, the, it's it's different at any competition I've ever seen over here. It's, um, I mean, it was over... I think it was over $110,000 in prize money. Wow. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's quite big. But they have categories that you would never see over here. They have a best T-shirt competition. They have a uh, a Miss Piggy where they go up on stage and 
dressed as pigs and <laughs> all sorts of bizarre stuff. Um, but it's separate because it's so big, it is separate. It's generally evolved as a pork-based event, but it has kind of grown. There is, uh, they do whole hog, which is something you won't generally see over here. Um, and there was a British team, the British Bulldog team, they were over representing um, but they didn't do great, but you know they, they have done really well in some competitions in the past. Do you know where, um, where did they come overall? Do you, remember, do you know where they came overall? Um, overall on whole hog, which is really what they were mainly doing. I think they were just playing with other, other categories. I think they were mid table, but I don't know exactly. Okay, cool. Where it was. Um, That's still cool to have a UK team representing over there. And yeah, and you, you in turn there. up. I mean, they turn up. And, you know, they're having to use stuff that's borrowed and known and. I think it's great they turned up and, and do well, and they have done really well in the past. Uh, I think the World Food Championships, they, they were top in barbecue. So uh, it's quite, quite an achievement. Okay. Um, but you you get to see, with the VIP tickets, going to, you see you get to see them doing whole hog. I got to see a couple of teams doing whole hog. There was a team, uh, there was the Shed, and saw their whole hog, and there is, it was three taxi guys, the team, people who own taxi companies in various places who just got to know each other at conferences started talking about barbecue and formed a team cool. um, and they literally come very similar where they have converted a whole taxi into a smoker oh, I think I saw your pictures of this actually, it looked awesome yeah, literally the whole hog goes in and they copied, they got all the help from Brad from the shed About they call it robo hog where it cooks actually in a sort of stance like a, a pig standing up where a lot of people have it sort of you know, kind of spatchcocked, spread yeah. out, yeah. So it's kind of different, different approach. And Whole hogs, put... super cool. It's something that I mean, Australia. I know that the uh, ABA is uh, running whole hog in in some of their competitions, and. I know that Tony Stone right. had whole hog this year, so I think it is making its way in, into like Europe a bit more, and I think that's quite cool. It gives, and it's it's similar to like sort of I guess, I guess like Chef's Choice sort of thing, where it gives the teams a chance to. Uh, I don't know, sort of be a bit different and uh, and, and 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 I don't know, experiment and and uh, put a bit of their personality out there. I guess it, it is. Yeah, I think it's it, it is good. I'd love to see it at some of the, you know things like Grill Stop, which is one of the bigger events over here. I really, you know, I think it would be a great thing to see, or even as a as, de- as a demo. You know, yeah. I think what's difficult is it almost requires you to bring a whole smoker mm. and a large one at that just just for that one category. Yeah. Which I, yeah. I guess it's another quite a large expense for for teams and and already when they have to pack so much and stuff to bring it down to a competition, it's like one whole smoker dedicated to to one round and a large one at yeah. that. So I, I guess like it's one of those things that's logistics. logistically could, could be a, a slightly harder. Pit. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Again, the, uh, building a breeze block pit on Bristol Harbour side might be a little bit difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you might leave a little bit of a mark on the tarmac. But, you know, we we'll get your deposit back, man. <laughs> yeah, um, you need your deposit. It could be worth it. Who knows? <laughs> I know that. Uh, totally, worth totally worth it. Irish chef uh, John Relahan. John Relahan. John Relahan at, at the big grill, and when I've seen him around, he mm. always builds a cinder block pit. Mm. Cinder block pit, and uh, and literally, like he says, he, he has it down to a T now, and he knows he needs however many blocks yeah. and the standard cinder blocks, and he just builds up his pit from it. And over the weekend yeah. at like the big grill, you'll see him cooking like five, six hogs on it. Which is awesome, two, right. two at a time in the pit, and uh, and he does a load of like sort of uh, smoked like cabbages and stuff in the pit with them, and chucks a load of garlic and herbs and stuff in there with the and 
absolutely just stunning so simplistic wow. in its approach and i don't know just like to see like a load of bricks on the floor it just really does demonstrate that like barbecue doesn't i think it goes back to what we we're talking about at the beginning yeah. that you don't need all these advanced things it doesn't you don't need to spend a flipping fortune on an amazing pit and stuff you don't need to do that if you don't want to there's so many ways into barbecue yeah. and grilling which i mean kelly brammy was built something like it's like this sort of uh campfire sort of setup where she's just got a few stones and made them into a circle and laid a grill grate across it and i mean like that is as yeah. simple as like barbecue and grilling and stuff can be and you can take it up to as i mean as well as that she has whatever i was gonna say we've said this before like i've like gone through like a full circle of got all of the most advanced stuff possible the latest technology and barbecue stuff but then go back to i keep cooking in my cat eye fire bowl so i'm just cooking on a pit basically <laughs> yeah yeah and it's sort of nice that you, you can do that and you can still get amazing results slightly different again but i just think that it's just amazing that entry into barbecue can be from so many different things like i said you could have like 40 cinder blocks and you can have a pit there which is capable of doing whole hogs build a fire and that's it you're away and i just yeah. think that like that that just is an awesome way of cooking and it, it, it's just an awesome way to see it as well I do I completely agree. So you come full circle. I mean, I started and the very first smoker I bought, I bought off, you know, an auction site for 70 quid and it was a little bullet smoker uh, just to play about with things before I got the really big one built and we just, you know, played about and thought, yeah, we've got to start doing this and got great results because, you know, we sat read everything there was, you know, and literally buried ourselves in it. I tend to be very committed and, and really got the passion for it and, uh, you know, you can get great results with just the most basic of equipment. That the barbecue was done originally digging a pit and you know, you know, putting you know the meat over it, and they, they literally tend it all night. That that was what they did, and they turned the cheapest cuts of meat into something incredible. Definitely. So when you, when you were over doing Memphis in May, you've got around to quite a few other places, didn't you? You got to like Salt Lake and Black's Barbecue yes. and Aaron, Aaron Franklin's and like, how, how long were you there for? Like if, if you were given advice we were there to someone for doing about this trip? 12 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we spent about, uh, it's about five, six days in Memphis. Um, we did obviously the Memphis in May, so we were there all the time. We met a few teams. I'm probably going to be cooking there next year. I've been asked to join some teams. Awesome. Um, so I'm almost certainly going to be at Memphis in May cooking next year. Um, it's a team for Texas that we got on just great hospitality. The people were fantastic. Like all barbecue competitions I've ever been to, the hospitality and friendliness is a barbecue brotherhood, and it did it extended over there fantastically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were there, then we drove down to um, Austin, based ourselves in Austin, really nice place, lovely drive, um, but if anybody ever does it, it's really weird if you sat there, you get on a road and it just says stay in here for the next 166 miles, it's yeah. just <laughs> huge straight roads. Um, and we did Franklin's, Franklin's was, lived up to its expectation. Um, as you know, So pleased to hear that. Was, yeah. It was, it was Overall, fantastic. Uh, got to meet Aaron. Got to go into all the back pits. Um, literally showed because they've moved them from where they were originally, so they're now kind of in a, a bit part of the building. Um, but they are still the original, huge, big converted uh, gas um, canisters that yeah. these um, kind of converted. But there's no probes in that, and there's no 
the airflow is they open the door. So they know how the, the, the pit moss is there because I know Aaron doesn't kind of do it. There's people, he still probably does it sometimes, but literally when they first fire it all up, they have the door open a bit more, get a bit of a extra bark on, then they'll just close the door a little bit and they know the temperature yeah. by by that. So there's no I'd say it's just bend. really getting to know it's, your pit again. It's, That's, it's still that basic, it. yeah, it's really basic firebox and management Aaron, learning the airflow of it and, and that's it then you're away you can cook whatever you want because Aaron built a big pit for Adam Perry Lan but he's really into the this morning he's a pretty well known um, barbecue chef who cooks out in uh, Los Angeles and got a fantastic book as well um, so he, Aaron's built uh, had built one him for a series barbecue out in uh, LA cool but yes, uh, that was really good. Salt Lake, uh, a lot of people said Salt Lake was going to be very touristy. Um, we were there first thing in the morning um, as it opened, and the food was very good. I was really impressed. What sort of time was that, first thing in the morning? Uh, I can't remember what time it opened, about half ten. Yeah, when barbecue for breakfast, that's what I liked. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that, the, that day, we, we did four barbecue joints, and I was in some distress by the <laughs> <laughs> But you still started again the next day. So much distress, you had to do it all again. <laughs> That's it. So it was, uh, it, we, um, we did Salt Lake first in the morning, and then we drove down to Lockhart. Uh, Lockhart's very, the very traditional yeah, yeah. pit. That, that, um, we did Smitty's Market, which is, um, was the worst, in my opinion. It was uh, not fantastic. And Lockhart um, is, is your standard. They, they do a lot of just salt and pepper, don't they? A lot of their stuff's just... Standard yeah, there, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of rubs or seasoning on any of these. <clears throat> the the real things that you get down in Texas is um, particularly the increased market um, as well as Black's um, barbecue, which is is the sausage. It's in the hot link, hot yeah, cuts, yeah. whatever people call them. There's, there's various different names. <laughs> Excellent. And Franklin's was very good. So down in Texas, it's not just about brisket. Uh, definitely try. The, you know the sausage and hot links because you will find it you know, really really good it's normal if you go to sort of diners out in america the sausage is not good it's not as good as you get over in the uk but the hot links are, are, are spectacular if you get good ones um and you certainly get that down in lockhart awesome awesome you, you with franklin's like obviously people always talk about the fact you're gonna have to queue for hours outside <laughs> was that real or is that a myth yeah yeah, it is. Uh, I was there. It doesn't open until, I think, 11. Uh, I was there at half six in the morning, and I wasn't first. Um, there were some, some people that tra- travelled up from San Antonio, so they'd spent sort of a couple of hours driving up before that. They'd set up at three in the morning, I think. Um, and uh, literally, you do keep but, but the good thing is there is a toilet they provide outside, and there is, they actually provide seats. Really? For the first people there, yeah. So this like camping seats you can just take out, and you know people put them back. Nobody seems to steal them or anything like that. No. And uh, you know, sort of different, nice, nice atmosphere. And, and to be honest, the people in the queue were great. You actually end up talking barbecue with you know everybody's everybody's there for the same reason. So the, there is a passion there already established. So it's fantastic that everybody will just. Yeah, but you don't, you don't sit outside and queue for three hours for food if you're not that interested in it, do you? <laughs> That's it. So they're already an established kind of, you know, we want this barbecue. And the barbecue was really good. The brisket was, it was excellent. Uh, the ribs were probably some of the best ribs I've had 
uh, while over there. Um, awesome. It's cool uh, to hear because sometimes yeah. like these things are so built up and when you go to them, it's sort of like... Nah. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of, I don't know, not, yeah. not a letdown, but it's sort of like, ah, oh, like it's so mm. built up for so long that it's sort of like no matter how good it is, it's always going to be a letdown, if you know mm. what I mean. So it's sort yeah. of great that it was it was as good as, as what you said and, and it's awesome. If I was, I mean, if I was going back to Austin again, I would definitely do Franklin's. Um, awesome. There's a couple of other restaurants I would I, I liked um, that I always try and go to when I'm over in America that have a bit of a chain, but it's a very sort of Tex-Mex which I really like. But I would certainly definitely, on a barbecue scale, I'd definitely do, do Franklin's. Cool. Was it Memphis and May that Angus Noink went to? Because I know that Scott and Melissa went to uh, one over in America this year as well. Was that Memphis in May or was that another one? I can't, I can't remember. I'm not sure. I, did, I didn't see. Didn't see them. No, I think Scott helped out with the team in the end. I think, and it's just quite cool actually because I mean they've they've actually started now. They've got a load of teams over in the US, and I know there's a couple of teams in in uh, Australia that are actually using using their reps and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we are at the we're over the half an hour slot, so okay. and there's probably more that we do want to talk about. Yeah, but we haven't even gone to we're not all even your life to, as a judge. And yeah, judging so much judging and, and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to speak we'll to you again some other one. time. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, even I th- even think part of your barbecue tour, I think we've yeah. probably still got to, uh, loads to talk about, but we are here. So I am going to say <laughs> yeah. that we've had a great chat. So I am going to say that let's, let's call it a day here and, and we'll, we'll return for an episode two with Paul Yates. Yeah, no problem at all. That's if great. you're up for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for it. Awesome. Thank awesome. you very much, bro. Chat to you soon. No problem. Catch you soon. Just before you go, sorry, just before you yeah. go, can you just tell everyone where they can find you on social media and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, I mean, there is a flame p- page on Facebook, but I, the one I really spend time on, if people want to ask questions or anything like that, it's the flame pit on Twitter. Awesome. So if you just go, the flame pit, it's, uh, it should come up, no problem. Nice one. Awesome. Thanks, Cheers, mate. bro. Chat Speak to you soon. soon. No problem. See you next week. See, see you this weekend. Yeah, see you next week. Yeah, we'll Cheers. see you next week. <laughs> yeah, I know this is part afterwards, but we are going to see you next week. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Bye. You're listening to your United Q podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smoke with Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. Whether it's smoking wood chunks, dust, chips, or planks, you can find them at smokewoodshack.com. And you can find them on Twitter at smokewoodshack.com.